3: Hey, guys, we're we're manly men, right?
0: Point of order, of Mr. Course. Chairman.
3: Point of order, yes.
0: For whatever reason, I wasn't hearing the whole shtick just a minute ago
3: because I didn't push the button that needed to be pushed.
0: Okay, just checking. Like if we I, heard words, if, but not music or something. If I, it didn't if I sound did it now.
2: Right. You'd be able to hear it.
0: Okay, sorry, no, didn't no, mean to no, interrupt.
2: No, no. Well, now the whole thing's just I'm completely. Well, I know.
0: Up now up. we just have to scrap it. I, what? Okay.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not scrapping or editing anything. I'm just docking your pay. And we've lost Bo. Wow, that's got to be a record.
2: Yeah. That's, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> yeah just get it open. He's gone. Like, he's way gone. Oh, just, wow. What All I did yeah. was this. This is it. This is all I did. Yeah. Oh, you're turning yeah.
3: violet,
0: Violet.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something about the way Jeff does the <laughs> <thing>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm glad i could be here for you
0: oh, i've missed you jeff <sighs>
2: I'm, glad, <sighs> I'm glad i could be here for this
0: it's the way he does the face guys i don't know how to describe it he okay. does it in a way that is just different
2: jeff
3: jeff's face makes you laugh that's what you're saying
1: <laughs> that's what i'm saying okay. exactly right. tell me word something for word. I haven't heard before all right all right now uh,
3: bo how are you doing I am well, John. How are you? I am. I'm excellent. <laughs> Most excellent. Most excellent. Hefe, how are you? Uh, I go by Yef. I'm sorry, Yef. Yes.
0: Yeah, I'm good.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, I like I said, I did that on purpose because in the Latin alphabet, it's spelled with an I. Is Isn't everything. Yes. That, you know, that's how we went down the rabbit hole to begin with. It was before we actually bo you missed that part. Before we started recording.
0: There was more. Oh, oh there was more. Yeah. Oh, bo.
3: Jeff, oh, Jeff and I were the only ones here for a little bit. We made up an entire mashup series of movies that mashes up the Christopher Nolan Batman series with mm-hmm. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade.
0: Oh, excellent. It
3: yeah. was quite awesome. Yeah. We're going to quit our jobs and do the screenplay.
0: In Latin, Joker spelled with an i. Mhm.
3: Yeah, we had... Uh, Ioker? We had a lot... Ioker, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the Bane featured Joker was in there.
2: Did I ever tell you how I got these scars? I chose poorly.
3: I ever tell you how I got these scars? I wasn't penitent. <laughs> <sighs> All right, well, we're keeping our day jobs. Um, Patrick, how's it going?
1: I'm good. I'm just, I'm already enjoying this show.
3: I, I, Patrick, I feel like you're the kid sitting in the corner just waiting to see what the rest of us do.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm just kind of like, you know, just kind of trying to fly low under the radar. Okay. You know, hey, Pat, uh, can I tell you something? Jeff, tell me something.
2: I'm thinking of adding another, uh, another session to our, uh, our music classes. Okay. Oh, what are you doing? I, I think we should, we should do a session on, so how did we get here? Right. How do we mm-hmm. get from mm-hmm. operas and operettas and concertos and orchestral music to scoring movies and using it in movies? What okay. Were to, how do we get from point A to point B and then start breaking down movie music instead of just starting with, um, the, the hero themes. That'd be awesome, Uh, man. Just after talking about uh, Max Steiner and Mm
1: -hmm, thinking about mm -hmm. corn
2: gold, like, you know, it might, might, might be worth mentioning, mentioning them a little bit and the, you know, their contributions to the idea that, Hey, we've got, especially Steiner, right. We've got Mm -hmm. a full orchestra. Let's hear the full orchestra. Mm
1: -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds well, cool
2: to me. Anyway, it, I'm I'm playing around with it in my head. See if we can't can't get another session in there.
1: That'd be awesome.
2: You went a
3: far more school appropriate route than I thought in my head when you started that. I was like, how did we get from operettas to Baby Got Back and Wrecking Ball? Because that could be interesting too.
2: Mm, probably not. No. 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 Oh, okay. No. Okay. There's a lot we couldn't teach. You're There's not doing the Sir Mix a lot mini unit. So why are we here tonight, John?
3: <laughs> because we're wearing tights, Jeff. Mine are a little tight. <laughs> well, tight tights. As, as they should be. Tight tights. Um, I don't know. I don't know why it's coming out all squeaky. <laughs> they're, just, they're just three sizes too small. Um, yes, yeah, so we are here for Robin Hood Men and Tights. And we uh, will give the, the little spoiler spiel right here. We do spoil freely. So if we start to talk about a movie that you don't want to hear about, just hit that little skip ahead button a couple of times and we should be done. Yeah. Things are
2: going to be spoiled tonight. Probably. Yeah.
3: We're probably going to mention several other Mel Brooks movies and I'm I've sure several Robin Hood movies and all kinds of other stuff. So just, uh, just be aware. Uh, our website. Um, if, if twer if twere time for you to visit our website, t'would be terrific if you could rate leave a voicemail and become a co-executive producer via twa Patreon,
2: that's one of my favorite bits in the movie <laughs> <laughs> oh, only for you or oh, only for me Two would be terrific twer- oh man okay anyway anyway
3: uh so yes go ahead and and visit uh, www.twertypodcast.com that would be 30 podcast
2: that, that sounds awfully close to things they might not want to see
3: no
0: mm-hmm.
3: don't go to twerty podcast i don't know what that is it's not terrific it's to oh, i don't know
1: <laughs> oh. i'm i am officially confused at this point what is the is be. this our website or is this another website you should be.
3: I, I should have said that more succinctly <laughs> oh <sighs> god this is gonna be rough it's gonna be it's gonna be an episode gents be I think we are it's gonna be an I think
1: we are I think we are officially in the, the triage portion of the pod. We might be. We might be. Ah. Uh, this There's is normally record. the kind of yeah. this is a record. This is
3: It's uh, This is
1: normally the the kind of podcasting we do when it's like the Tuesday or Wednesday or Monday like right before Thanksgiving break.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But this is the Monday after a time change. That's also true. And I think yeah. then became now during the time change. Mm-hmm. I'm just Ooh, saying good one.
1: and I'm not gonna confirm or deny it, but this week there was perhaps a meeting at school when we were being asked to literally put a square peg in a round hole. John heard the details about it this morning. Yes. But I'm saying that that's been that's been my last, well, not counting the weekend, 24 hours at school is we were literally having a meeting about putting a square peg in a round hole. So yeah. I'm just going to leave it there and say I'm I'm not sure which way is up right now. Well,
3: I, think, we, I won't go into think,
2: the I won't go into
1: you the think full you were story. Being
2: too literal.
3: I won't go into the full no. story, but I, I have to ask because we have another tech person here, Bo. If you had a keyboard that was not USB compatible, where would you plug in that USB cable? <laughs> Bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> That's the right answer.
1: <laughs> we we were told just to put in a tech ticket because they got a dongle or something.
0: -hmm. Well, you know that is the magic word that fixes everything now, right? You know that, right? Dolpping dongle. dongle. Oh, just get the dongle. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you have a dongle to go from this to this? No,
2: no, I I do not. Pat's honeymoon for four hundred. I was
1: just gonna. (laughs) I was just gonna say, what are we talking about, Lord? Uh Oh Uh man, so we're we're kind of, oh boy. This is this kind of pipe. Okay, all right.
2: We're men, we're men Let's in tights. tights. Let's get out of these women's clothes we'll and get back we're in our tights. Boys looking for fights. We're men,
1: <laughs> we're men, men in tights.
2: We rob from the rich and give to the poor. That's, That's right. right. All right. Uh,
3: so this movie came out on July twenty eighth, <laughs> nineteen ninety three. Was rated PG thirteen. Ran one hour and forty four minutes. Directed by Mel Brooks, who did Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. Uh, also written by Mel Brooks, who did Spaceballs and the producers. And uh, here's a, a fun little story. Uh, Evan Chandler. So I, I looked up Mr. Evan Chandler because I'm like, I, he has no other credits on IMDb. It's because he's a dentist. Oh. Why would a dentist be involved in the writing of this movie, you say? I could have gone into the song I'll Be Your Dentist from, mm-hmm. yeah. It was going through my head, actually. I, was it? Okay. I'm, I'm proud of all of us. Um, basically, what happened was uh, Mr. Evan Chandler's son saw Robin Hood Prince of Thieves and said, this movie deserves to be parodied, and told his dad that. And one of his dad's clients happened to be J. David Shapiro, who also wrote this movie and Battlefield Earth. And they oh. discussed this together and decided to write a treatment for this movie that ended up getting bought and heavily Edited, heavily rewritten by Mel Brooks. But they had the original story for the Robin Hood parody. Huh. So. Yeah. So, a dentist wrote this movie. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Produced by Hmm. Mel Brooks, who also produced The Elephant Man and To Be or Not To Be. Composed by Hummy Man, who did Year of the Comet and Dracula Dead and Loving It. Cinematographer was Michael O'Shea who did Visiting Hours and Terminal Choice, editor was Steven Rivkin who did Avatar and Pirates of the Caribbean: The Curse of the Black Pearl. Production company was Brooks Films, budget was 20 million, box office was 35.7 million. Flickmetrics gives it an average score of a 57% across the four different websites. Uh, CinemaScore gives it a B. Carrie Elwes played Robin Hood. He was in The Princess Bride and Saw. Richard Lewis was Prince John. He was in Leaving Las Vegas and Wagons East. Roger Reese, who died in 2015, played the sheriff of Rottingham. He was in The Prestige and Frida. Amy Yazbek played Maid Marian. She was in The Mask and Problem Child. Mark Blankfield played Blinken. He was in Dracula Dead and Loving It and The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Dave Chappelle played Achu. Did you say, hey, Blinken?
1: Did you say, hey, "Hey, Blinken?
3: (laughs) Yes. Dave Chappelle played A Bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, was in Half Baked and The Nutty Professor. Isaac Hayes, who died in 2008, played A Sneeze. He was in Shaft and Escape from New York. Father uh, of A Chew. Yes, father of A Chew. God bless you. you. Uh, Megan Kavanaugh played Broomhilda. She was in A League of Their Own and Junior. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, Eric Allen Kramer played Little John. He was in American Wedding and True Romance. Matthew Peretta played. Old, I'm really quite big. Yes. Matthew Peretta played Will Scarlet O'Hara uh, from Georgia. Uh, he no was, relation. Yes, he was in Beverly Hills Cop and Dracula's <laughs> Widow. Tracy Ullman played Latrine, uh, who had a very good name change. <laughs> That's <laughs> a very good change.
1: <laughs> so you so 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 you went. You changed your latrine. name to Latrine. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> in just a matter of fact way it used to be <laughs>
1: uh-huh oh
3: we could do, you could yeah. do a parody song do a, ooh do a parody song of that with brick house <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh we're just we're coming up with all the parodies tonight
2: all the parodies.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Tracy Ullman was Latrine. She was in the Tracy Ullman show and Corpse Bride. Dom DeLuise, who died in 2009, played Don Giovanni. He was in Blazing Saddles and Spaceballs. <clears throat> uh, Patrick Stewart played King Richard. He was in Star Trek The Next Generation and X-Men. And Dick Van Patten played the <laughs> abbot. <laughs> Abbott. Abbot. I hate that guy. I hate that guy. Thank you. Uh, he was in Spaceballs and Westworld. <clears throat> All right, a couple of little trivia things here we got for this one. Uh, when Mel Brooks first gave Carrie was the call to offer him the lead role, uh, he thought it was a prank and hung up on him. So there, there's a way to almost miss getting a fun job working with Mel Brooks. But, uh, mm-hmm. And actually it was because of his performance in The Princess Bride, um, and he had kind of portrayed, uh, you know, he had kind of taken on this Errol Flynn type portrayal. Um, and that's kind of, you know, between that and his performance in the princess bride, that's kind of what got Mel Brooks looking at him for the character of Robin hood for this one.
0: Got
3: it. Um, the joke <laughs> that we, uh, the, the bit that we all just did, the Hey Abbott is an homage to Bud Abbott and Lou Costello.
0: Mm.
3: Uh, and then the last one I've got on here was, uh, do you know who it was originally offered the role of little John?
0: Oh, I do not. It was the Hulkster brother. Really? Oh, now yeah. that's
2: hysterical. Yeah. That's a fun movie. Well, this is a fun movie yeah. too. I don't know. I feel like that might be kind of distracting.
3: It could be. Yeah.
2: It
0: depends on how they use him. I feel like at that point you have to be gentle with him. Yeah.
2: But I don't, I don't know if he has it in him to not be over the top and crazy. Well, just like not seeking all the attention. Yeah. Yeah. Did you
3: just use the word gentle and Hulk Hogan in the same sentence?
0: No, I, I, he has to be used oh, gently, okay. not okay. he would All be right. gentle. That, that's, no, no, that's no. True. no, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no.
3: I don't know. I, I don't know if I can picture the Hulkster writhing around on the ground going, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. In like it's it hysterical, in, in, in like four inches of water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drowning, <him>, brother. <laughs> These 24-inch pythons are bigger than the water I'm in go get my hulkamaniacs to help me out. <laughs> Let me tell you something, sheriff of Nottingham. Uh-huh. You know the hulkster won't drown if we just say our prayers and take our vitamins. Uh-huh. All
2: right. Anyway. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, it'd be a little distracting. Yeah. I think I think I would be waiting for him to be hulk. Yeah.
3: Well, we know from Gremlins 2 that he can break the fourth wall, so he could have done that in this movie.
2: That would have been a detriment to the movie. Yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, in a world where one man dared to kill a king's dare, prepare for a tale of adventure, romance, and men in really tight tights. Robin Hood, men in tights. They're on a mission to steal from the rich, give to the poor, and save England one laugh at a time. This is not your ancestor's Robin Hood. 20th Century Fox presents The Motion Picture Event of the Summer The Summer of
1: 1125
2: A.D. That's him! Robin Hood! Good evening. The Hoods from the Woods are back. Ah! Yo, yo, yo! Check it out! Little John Ow. Ow! Prince John
1: more bubbles. Oh, yes, yeah, now it's happening.
3: The Sheriff of Rottingham. I challenge you to a duel. I accept Made Maid Marian. A chastity belt.
1: It's an everlasting.
3: And a rabbi, Tuckman.
1: Come on, boys. He's the first action hero. Well, my men can't
2: jump and the last word in comedy
1: <laughs> and
2: why should the people listen to you because unlike some other robin hoods i can speak with an english accent robin hood
3: men in tights a Brooks
2: film yes
3: the legend had it coming
0: Go home, Mel Brooks.
3: <laughs> Every time, they keep burning down our village. <coughs> All right, major moments. So we break the movie down real quickly into 10 major moments that help give kind of a flyby of the plot. Uh, and then after that, we will dig into our deep thoughts on this one. So really quickly, the our major moments. Number one, crusade, imprisonment, and escape. So we are clearly parodying the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves here. Robin of Loxley is captured during the Crusades, imprisoned in Jerusalem. Uh, with the help of Asneez, father of Achu, uh, he does I'd manage like to thank you. He does manage to escape his prison guard. Uh was his prison prison guard's name was Falafel.
2: Well, what they had was strength of feet.
3: Yes, not a feat of strength, it was strength of feet. Yeah. Which is always important. Uh, number two, return to England and discovering Prince John is the ruler now. After escaping, Robin returns to England, finds Achu a sneeze's son, and learns that Prince John has seized power during King Richard's absence. Upon reaching Loxley Hall, Robin discovers that it has been repossessed and his family and his fish are all dead. Uh, his blind servant, Blinken, tells him of a key of great treasure left by his father. Robin meets Little John and Will Scarlet O'Hara and begins forming a group to fight Prince John's tyranny, which includes Rabbi Tuckman, who provides some spiritual, comic, and alcoholic relief. Uh, Maid Marian's interest, uh, she is smitten by Robin, particularly intrigued um, by the fact that uh, he is probably the only eligible bachelor anywhere nearby Um and we haven't quite made the connection yet that he has the key, possibly, to the chastity belt that she wears.
2: The greatest treasure in all the land. There we go.
3: Uh, the sheriff of Rottingham plans to assassinate Robin during an archery contest, uh, uh, using an archery contest as bait. Maid Marian warns Robin about the impending danger. At the tournament, Robin, disguised, nearly loses, but calls for a redo after consulting the movie's script. Realizes that he gets a second chance. He succeeds, but is captured when an assassin's plot is foiled. Robin and his merry men crash the wedding of Marion and the sheriff. In the ensuing chaos, Robin duels the sheriff while trying to save Marion. After an accidental stabbing, the sheriff is saved, uh, or potentially saved, by a magical lifesaver, literally a magical Uh, lifesaver. Latrine is trying to save him because she wants to get with him. Uh, The ceremony, the wedding ceremony of Robin and Marion, is interrupted by the arrival of Patrick Stewart as King Richard, who, before he deposes uh, Prince John, does claim his right of being a prima donna and decides to give Marion a kiss before they finish the wedding ceremony. Uh, As Robin and Marion's wedding is completed, they find themselves unable to open the chastity belt, uh, the end of the movie being Robin calling for a locksmith. Fade to black. It's the locksmiths. Fade to Black Sheriff, which worked just fine in Blazing Saddles.
0: It worked in Blazing Saddles?
3: It did. All right. That is the major moments. It is now time for our deeper thoughts.
2: And now, Deep Thoughts.
0: I have an opinion on this matter.
2: Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. Deep. Thank
3: you. All right, it's going to be stupid of me to ask if we like this movie, because I, I think that's probably a given, and feel free to interrupt me if it's not, but um, I think we like this movie. So let's start with... Um, I have a more serious question, but let's start with this. Do you remember the first time you saw this?
0: <laughs> I think... Gosh, I hate to say that I saw it this young, but I think I saw it soon after it came out and I probably shouldn't have.
3: Oh, oh! I guarantee um, I saw it around the time it came out.
0: Yeah, it was, you know, as soon as it hit HBO or whatever, I just remember being in stitches. Like things that I don't even find, things that I would not find funny in another movie are funny in this movie mm-hmm. is, is the best way I can describe it. And it was true the first time I saw it. Like How much, I, of, it, how much of it do you
2: think you understood though?
0: Oh, the that's the best part. Is I enjoyed it that much and I know I didn't understand a bunch of it back then. Every time you watch it, I feel like you pick up something else. You're like, oh, that's good. (laughs) Like, I guarantee the bubbles in the bath meant nothing to me Mm -hmm. when I first saw it. Now it's funny. (laughs) I would, gosh, conservatively, half of it when I first saw it.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I guarantee I—I I probably didn't. I maybe half the well. That's probably even that's generous to say. I got well, half. But so jokes. much
0: of it is physical gags. Yeah. Like you probably got half of it back then.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't. I know I definitely didn't get the Malcolm X and uh, Winston Churchill jokes.
0: No. No. Or at the time, to be honest, the Blazing Saddle reference.
3: Yeah. Right. I hadn't seen because yeah. yeah. I saw
0: this before way. Blazing Saddles for yeah. sure.
3: Yeah. I could just about guarantee this was a movie theater viewing for us because my dad liked Mel Brooks. So I would imagine he probably saw that this said PG-13 and said, yeah, he's not 13, but let's go.
0: Close enough. Mm.
3: (laughs) It's close enough. So, yeah, I I am pretty certain we saw this in the theater.
2: In fact, I I feel like I can remember seeing this in the theater. I know I didn't see it in the theater, I'm not sure when I saw it, to be honest with you, but. Um, well,
3: it was a pretty steady uh, rerun on TV.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Even so, I, I, I'm sure I probably saw it on cable. Yeah. And it would have been. I would have been in high school probably by the time I saw it. I don't know if my parents, if this is one my parents would have let me watch or not, but. I'm going to say at some point upper grades of high school is when I Okay. I stumbled across this one.
1: Patrick, what about you? I saw I saw this in the theater with friends when it came out. Okay. And I it we were never much I don't think it was like opening night, but I want to say it was like opening weekend when this sucker came out. I remember us going to see it. Um, my friends and I and I I remember laughing a whole lot and and I mean uh I I like you guys were saying like I don't know if I could necessarily process everything that I was seeing um but uh sort of sort of like in Starship Troopers you know when they show a little blink of the news and it'll always be like do you want to know more (laughs) I could see something I'd be laughing I'm like I'm not sure why I'm laughing but I really want to know more this is really funny so yeah yeah, this this was this was pretty awesome. And I also want to say, I don't think it was major moments worthy, but I just want to say when he travels from the Middle East back to England and he's jumping in the water, like swimming out. I, I can't tell you why, but that is still laugh out loud, funny to me. Watching the movie all by myself. Oh my goodness, that is absolutely hilarious. And it's just and then it shows the map with the little splish splash, 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 splish mm-hmm. splash. I just, oh my gosh. That was like Okay, I gotta pause. I gotta get a hold of myself because I'm gonna miss something. This is funny,
0: and isn't that just the truth of this movie? Like, very few movies get a pop out of me with no one else around. Like, I'll enjoy <laughs> it, but like this one does. It drops something, and I am laughing out
1: loud to myself. No one else in the room. Oh, I'm not alone. I know yeah. I'm not alone here. Yeah. Did I? I'm sorry, boat was kind of blanking out there. Did I? Did I interrupt your thought? No, no, no. I was agreeing with you. Oh, okay. I'm, no, I'm so sorry. But um, I'm a Mel Brooks fan. So he, that, I, that, I mean, it's hard pressed to say that guy can do no. That, that guy can't do anything wrong for me. I mean, I love I love all his movies. I laugh, I laugh at his jokes. I laugh at his characters. I laugh at the actors that he picks. Um, and how they bring things bring his his story to life. It's just funny stuff.
3: Well, and, and good that little John didn't show up till later because he never would have been able to make that journey.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm drowning.
3: Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know that I'm thinking back to it, and I went to go look just to see. Um, there's a possibility that I saw this in the theater with friends because I would have just turned thirteen when this came out yeah. in England because it came out in December of ninety three in England, um, mm-hmm. and, and we were living over there. So I, I, pro- I, this might have even been like around about the time of my birthday. So this might've even been like a, Hey, let's go see a movie for my birthday and then we'll go to pizza hut or somewhere. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I have memories. It's going to send out for
0: you. <laughs> there we go.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, so here's, here's my serious question. And then we can get back to quoting the movie and everything else. Uh, This movie does break the fourth wall a lot. Are you fine with that, or do you feel like there are times where movies can do that too much? Like, I I watch certain movies. I watch, you know, I love the Deadpool movies. Deadpool 1, Deadpool 2, I love the Deadpool movies. He can break the fourth wall as much as he wants to. I don't care. I really, really enjoy those movies. This movie, I also don't have a problem with it. I don't think it's overdone in this movie. Has there ever been a time where you've watched a movie, and maybe it's a Mel Brooks movie, where breaking the fourth wall just did not work for you, or they overdid it?
1: For me, no. For Mel Brooks, because as I aforementioned, everything the guy does is is comedy gold to me. So you can do no wrong. Yes.
2: Yeah. I don't think nothing comes nothing comes to mind for me in terms of movies that overdo that the breaking the fourth wall gag.
1: Yeah.
0: In general, I agree. Like I can't think of any where it's where I remember thinking, oh, that's too much. Okay. Um, but I do think movies are conscious of that. And I think they do it sparingly on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I think it just kind of depends on, on the movie and how well it fits move. Like Ferris Bueller. It fit the movie just fine. Yeah. Um, high fidelity fit the movie just fine. Number one, Wayne's world. Mm-hmm. The bullet. Fight Club. Yeah, I I, I don't. So then
3: don't, that maybe that leads to a follow up question: Is there a bad time to break the fourth wall? Because I, off the top of my head, I can't think of a time where it was done in a movie,
2: <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, no, shouldn't have done that. So is it is there a genre of movie that you just don't think it would work? Because I want to say like, it, it works well for comedy, so it would have to be a comedy movie to do that. But like, Fight Club's not a
1: comedy. Yeah. Goodfellas. It worked in Goodfellas.
3: Yeah. I don't think it would work in Titanic.
0: That's one way to look at it?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah so- I suppose you're more... Although if the fourth wall is bigger than the door, let's break it.
1: If, if, um, break
3: it and give him a fighting. So to
1: Jeff's point, is that like, because it just didn't work in that movie or it doesn't work in that genre of movie disaster movies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
3: I almost feel like it's your movie has to have an element of comedy to it. It doesn't have to be a comedy movie, but it's got to have an element of comedy for it to work. I don't think it's gonna work. It's not gonna work really well in a horror movie unless you're introducing an element of comedy to the horror movie. It's not well, gonna so work in a serious drama.
2: It, it I guess it, it depends on how it's done in the movie, too, yeah. right? Like a voiceover yeah. narration is technically breaking the fourth wall. True. I,
1: well, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna <sighs> I'm gonna. I, I push back as well. That's not. i about to say a pushback. I'll push back on that because again, I'll, I'll point out Goodfellas. Goodfellas built to that. Well, spoiler alert for Goodfellas. Okay, everyone had a chance to fast forward. Goodfellas built to that dramatic court scene, and it was building up, and then, and you know, you're just not sure what's going to happen, and and then all of a sudden, he's talking directly to the camera and like walking through the courtroom, and I thought that scene was incredibly effective at at I don't know, really bringing the audience into this story and even giving it a a, a credent, uh, you know, it was based on real characters. So like giving that movie, it, it almost felt like a documentary. Well, that's well, putting it a little strongly, but it, it made that movie seem more real as opposed to fictional when all of a sudden Ray Liotta starts addressing the camera and like walking through the courtroom. So, and I don't, I don't think there was much comedy in that scene. You know what I'm saying?
3: Did every, I mean, jumping back historically, did every, probably not every, but did most Shakespeare plays have somebody breaking the fourth wall? Probably, because you they would turn and talk to the audience, either as an introduction or a closing or to explain something.
0: Well, I've, does that maybe go back to what Jeff was saying, what constitutes breaking the fourth wall? Because, right. yeah, there were some scenes in a Shakespeare play where the opening scene is welcome to the show. And here's a couple things you need to know. Is that breaking the fourth wall? Cause the show actually started.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Like <clears throat> I, I just did a quick Google search of movies that broke the fourth wall. And some of this stuff I, I scratched my head a little bit. Um, like <clears throat> just voiceover narration. Do you like, do you count that as breaking the fourth wall?
3: If they're talking,
2: if they're talking to the audience, yes. Technically, yeah. But I, I guess, like when I think of breaking the fourth wall, I'm thinking of characters looking at me, the audience. Yeah. Right. Not so much just talking, just talking to me or sharing information. Like I don't think because the other
3: night was November fifth, <clears throat> and I watched V for Vendetta. And Natalie Portman has her voiceover at the beginning and at the end of the movie. I don't think of that as being breaking the fourth wall because she's not really addressing, she's not directly addressing me as the audience. Then who's she addressing?
2: Talking to herself. I I don't buy that. Posterity. I I think she's, I think she is addressing the audience. You think so? I don't know. I just don't don't think we have ever considered that type of moment to be breaking the fourth wall. I think we are all like-minded in that breaking the fourth wall means your actor is engaging more directly with the audience, usually visually. Yeah. It's over. Go home. Yeah. Like, I'm looking on this list, and they list Psycho as a movie that breaks a fourth wall because – of uh, at the end, when Anthony Perkins, oh, spoiler for Psycho, anyone? Spoiler. Weep, weep, weep. Sorry. When Anthony Perkins stares directly into the camera at the end of the film, they're considering that to be him breaking the fourth wall. Okay. But I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's meant to engage us as an audience member or just. Yeah if there's something else that he's looking at or if it's supposed to be us. But again, I don't know if I would have said like, Oh yeah, that's a great example of breaking the fourth wall. I think it's, I think more in terms of like a Ferris Bueller yeah. or like okay. I said, high fidelity, right. When your characters are directly right talking to whoever's viewing the movie.
3: Alright, well, you know, that was that was a serious discussion for Robin Hood Men and
2: Tights. Um Favorite scene. Uh from the beginning to the end. Okay, there you go. Yeah. That, that's an acceptable answer. Yeah.
0: It's the it's the training montage for me. Oh yeah. Chickens. Sheaths. And yeah <laughs> just that old training montage and them getting ready that's that's the one yeah
3: I, some of it for me is like some of the little moments like when little John and Robin are fighting and the the sticks that they're fighting with just keep getting smaller and smaller <laughs> until you finally get to the little tiny sticks and they just keep hitting each other's fingers and there's like ow 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 like, like that whole part little things like that.
1: I I like the little, uh, to be honest, the the little, well, little scenes as well, him swimming, like taking off into the ocean. And then he swims back to England, Um, them in the prison and all the hands are reaching up through the grates and they're like stomping on the hands and they come up flipping them off. (laughs) It's just, I don't know why, but that's just funny. That's the stuff that just, just makes me have to hit pause because I'm laughing so hard.
2: I like the writing. I think there's a lot of great wordplay. Yeah, in this movie, um, I, I I like that the sheriff mixes up uh, the words and the sentences. I think that leads to a lot of fun. Um, I think we already mentioned like the uh, "Oh, Robin, if only for you, yes, if for me, twould be terrific. terrific." Like it's such a st- Stupid line, but it's so funny the way that it that it gets delivered, um, and you know, the way that Robin interacts with the sheriff. Like, no, that's a wild pig, that's a wild boar. Like the wordplay, I enjoy the wordplay. Yeah, I I mean I I enjoy a lot of this movie. Yeah. Did you? I don't think during the trivia
3: time. I don't know if I mentioned this one or not. Do you know who almost played Latrine instead of Tracy Ullman?
0: I'm gonna say Carol Kane.
3: I'm gonna say Madeline Kahn. Oh, that could have been
2: fun. Either, one, be. of the, either one of twu! those. either yeah. it's two, it's two. It would have been twofic. It would have been two. <laughs> either one of those would be great choices. Yeah, yeah. Madeline Kahn or Carol Kane. Carol Kane would have been fantastic. Yeah. Good pull on that, on Bogue. I mean, that's really, that's a good choice. But Madeline Kahn would be... well, yeah. I yeah. (laughs) I mean, she was such a great comedic talent. Yeah. I'm still thinking about, like, trying to narrow down a favorite scene and just too many come to mind. But it is. Always I mean die. there's so much of the like you were saying, there's so much of the
3: wordplay stuff. And there's the like Robin, promise you won't go. All right. I promise you All right, won't I go. Prom-
2: I promise you won't go.
3: <laughs> Robin you said
0: cool it. Blinken's sitting on the toilet while the, <laughs> the castle is gone and he's just sitting there. Uh, there used to
2: be a door there. <laughs> <laughs> Robin did you say did you say a Blinken <laughs> No, I said a Blinken Hold the reins man.
0: Robin, you've lost your arms in battle, (laughs) but you grew some
3: nice
1: boobs.
3: (laughs) I'll see you later.
2: Uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, I, in terms of the writing, this is one of Mel Brooks' better contributions. I think. I mean, a, a lot of his movies have such terrific writing, but I think this one, and I, I would argue that this was probably his last great movie that he directed. I don't know that he directed that, that much, that many more after this one, but I feel like this is probably the last great one that he did. I never got a chance to see uh history of the world part two. So I don't know.
0: I have seen maybe half of it
2: okay how does it hold up
0: it's good it's not history of the world part one good though okay but it's good this was his second to last directing credit Dracula dead and loving it would have been the last
2: oh god that's too bad
0: yeah (laughs) my thoughts as well (laughs)
2: Yeah, if this would if this would have been his last directing credit, this would have been a really high point for him to go out on. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think like he did he just he did this one so well. He really honed in well on a lot of the the tropes of the Robin Hood story and made fun of the right parts of Prince of Thieves.
3: I don't know if you guys know he had a little bit of practice with this. He did a Robin Hood parody back in the seventies. Yeah. He did a a very shortly lived TV series called uh When Things Were Rotten. It only ran for maybe one season, and it was after he had done Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. And it was um it was a sitcom that was a satire on Robin Hood. And it was, in fact, uh, I was looking at this one website here. It's like one example of some of the gags. There was a character named Lord McDonald of the Golden Archers, and he's wearing a T-shirt that says, Over 1 Million Dispatched. <laughs> so he had, so I actually, and there's then there's about a 20-year gap. So he had a little bit of time uh, with this TV series to do a little bit of poking fun at Robin Hood, but then obviously it's something he enjoyed, so he came back to it. Yeah, I'd be curious if that's available anywhere to to see. When Things Were Rotten came out in 1975.
0: Interesting.
3: Uh, Dick Van Patten was actually Friar Tuck in When Things Were Rotten.
0: I think Dick Van Patten officially qualifies for the Mighty Brooks Players. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know how many movies you have to be in to qualify, but Dick Van Patten's
2: definitely there. Yeah, that, Mel Brooks just had, had such a unique talent of just finding the right things to shine the spotlight on. The right moments of what, whatever genre he's poking fun at. But do it in such a respectful way. More like he's he's honoring what came before him as opposed to trying to show... How stupid a lot of it is, right? That's why I think a lot of other movies that try to do this sort of thing. Um like there were a number of horror comedy movies that came out, like Scream If You Know What I Did last summer, mm-hmm. like that sort of thing, where they were um poking fun at a lot of the horror movies that have been coming out. And I think a lot of those just missed the mark because they didn't have an appreciation for what they were poking fun at. Whereas I feel like Mel Brooks always appreciated that with, of which he made fun. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, and and if you go back and what, like I saw this movie before I ever saw any of the Errol Flynn Robin Hood movies and I go watch those and I'm like, Oh, that's where men in tights got it from. Gotcha. mm -hmm. Oh yeah. He
0: went deep. I mean, it wasn't just, he As watched Princess Thieves
2: and did it. And no, he he always, like he does his homework, he does his research, and again, I think that shows just how much he cares about what he's doing in a way that I'm not doing this to be mean and malicious, I'm doing this because I find you know there's comedy here, but I really respect the craft and I respect what what laid the groundwork for me to be able to do this thing that I'm making money doing. You know, if not for these other movies that came out, he wouldn't have anything to parody. Mm -hmm. And I think he gets that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, especially in reading his memoir, it talks an awful lot. And I haven't quite gotten to this movie yet, but when he's, when he's talking about some of the older ones, he talks about, what was the one that he did where he parodied, parodied Edgar Allan Poe? What? Hmm. I can't remember the name of it. Anyways, I'll have to look, you know, I have to look that up. But what he talks about, if I've unless I got that totally backwards, but okay. what he talks about is really wanting to get the approval of the person whose movies he was parodying. Like that was like super important to him. And, I, and he talked about get like, the guy left him. I swear it was Edgar Allan Poe. Now I'm going to have to look this up because I'm embarrassed. I had it set in my head. Anyways, yeah, <clears throat> the guy wrote think, him a...
3: I don't think he ever did an Edgar Allan Poe one.
1: What? I've got... Okay, well, I'm going to look it up and figure out what the heck I'm talking about. But, I mean, the... um, But he talked about how whoever he was, whatever the movie was that he was parodying it, when he had that approval that was like really important to him. Like that was the biggest review that was the most important to him. You know, when he did blazing saddles, he wanted to have John Wayne in the movie, right? That was really important to him to pay homage to the whole Western thing while he was lampooning it. And I think, I think it was, and and John Wayne wanted to do the movie, but just was worried that, you know, some of the language or something that would sully his image. And he was, concerned about that um at the time but that was in the book that kept coming out is that when mel brooks just exactly like you said jeff he didn't want to he's not trying to disparage he's trying to just make jokes but at the same time celebrate that
3: there is he did get george lucas's approval to make space balls
1: Mm -hmm. right i remember that yeah
3: and that was like the, oh they, right, well, they made in a deal. They made a deal with each other. Like Lucas even signed some papers, and they say, and he's like, "You make this movie, just you can't release any Spaceballs merchandise that will compete with my Star Wars merchandising."
0: Yeah,
1: I'm gonna go get the we'll book and The flamethrower.
3: Uh-huh. That's why we've I never think... had the flamethrower. There's I no Star
0: that's... Wars flamethrower. I don't
2: see how that would have been a competition issue. I'm just saying. I think that it's it really speaks though to the artist. Right, because doesn't Weird Al do the same thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Weird Al seeks permission from the artist whose song he's he's uh, writing a parody of, yeah. and if the if that artist says no, then he doesn't do it. And I think that goes a long way in in how these guys go about creating their art. You know, you, when you approach it from that angle of this is a, a piece of reverence. This is, this is, I'm doing this, you know, I'm poking fun, but I'm poking fun with all due respect because I know that without these things, I would have nothing. And that's, that's what makes these guys geniuses
3: because, and my wife and I, whenever, whenever we'd listen to Weird Al stuff in the car with the kids, um, or when she'd have to listen to it in the car with just me, then we've always talked about how, I mean, You could. You could take somebody like Weird Al. You could take somebody like Mel Brooks and you could just kind of, you know, brush them off as, oh, yeah, they just make those dumb comedy movies, those parody comedy movies. But they can't do what they do without, I mean, being near genius level when it comes to wordplay, when it comes to understanding the material, when it comes to, like you were saying, the love of the material. Um, You can't do it unless you are a master of what it is you do. So you could, oh. I mean, you, you could brush off a Weird Al as, oh, yeah, he, he makes songs that kids like, but no, right? if you listen to his songs, if you listen to what he's able to do when he makes those songs, watching a Mel Brooks movie, what he's able to do, even those little tiny moments we were talking about, like, you you have got okay. to have something special.
1: Did okay, find, I'm, 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 to- I'm a, yeah, I did, and I'm a total idiot. I was saying Edgar Allan Poe, wasn't
3: I? You were, and I was really <laughs> curious to see how Mel Brooks was going to get his approval.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I meant Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I don't know well, I,
0: that's a horse uh, of a different color. Yeah.
1: yeah, I have no idea. Like, I just completely conflated the two. I apologize. Oh, right. I apologize. But no, it was Edgar, Al- it, there I go again. It was Alfred Hitchcock, and it was um, High Anxiety. And he put on there, the, this film is dedicated to the master of suspense, Alfred Hitchcock. And then um, <clears throat> anyways, he just, the chapter talks about him and getting the permission. And then, uh, when he gets it all filmed, like Alfred Hitchcock writes him like a note, um, that it was, uh, Alfred Hitchcock like writes him a note that that was like the greatest review ever. Um, and it was, Oh yeah, it was to, to dear Mel, what a splendid entertainment, one that should give you no anxieties of any kind. I thank you most humbly for your dedication and I offer you further thanks on behalf of the golden gate bridge with kindest regards. And again, my warmest congratulations, hitch. And he was like, this was, um, that was like the greatest reward ever, you know? Yeah. But again, it just to, to all the point, everything that you guys were saying much more eloquently eloquently than me. Cause I messed up Alfred Hitchcock and Edgar Allan Poe. His goal wasn't to disparage, but just to, to build and celebrate with humor.
2: So if Hitchcock was the master of suspense, would we be bold enough to say that Mel Brooks was the master of comedy?
0: Certainly of satire and parody. I, I think.
3: I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's anybody else who's... Parody movies have had the
2: same impact as his. What about like the Zucker brothers? Uh,
3: no, I I think I'd have to give it to Mel Brooks. Okay. Yeah. I can't think of it. Well, and just, and thinking about all the people he's worked with, I mean, you think back to the, you know, this Bo, you were kind of joking about it. The, the regular cast of, of folks that he has in his movies, and you think about how many of them were just part of classic Hollywood comedy. And, um, you know, I just, I just running through in my own head, I'm like running through a list of, you have, you know, Madeline Kahn shows up several times, Dom DeLuise, um, Sid Caesar, I think was in at least one or two of his movies. Um, yeah. I mean, you've just, there's just so the many
0: mentioned
1: Dick, Dick Van Patten. Yeah. And I know Mel Brooks, he worked for Sid Caesar. He was one of Sid Caesar's writers, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, on the show of shows. Yeah. I mean, that writing room, holy buckets. Right. (laughs) I mean, who else was in there with him? Uh, Carl Reiner, right? Wasn't Carl Reiner in there? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Neil um, Neil Simon was in there. Woody Allen was in there for, for a bit, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. A couple others too. I can't remember their names, but I know it was like definitely. It became the who's who of of writers. Yeah, that that were all together in the uh, in the writers room for Sid Caesar's show of shows. Yeah,
3: well, and that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy my wife and I really enjoy. I've said this before. We really enjoy the TV show Mad About You because there are several episodes where they pull in all of those guys. You know, they mm-hmm. have an episode with Sid Caesar. They have an episode with Carl Reiner. They have several episodes with Mel Brooks as Uncle Phil, um, which are just hilarious. And they that show did a, an amazing job of bringing back just some of those classic comedians and comedy writers. And I think that's what Mel Brooks does that other parody filmmakers haven't done to his degree. So, yeah, I, I, I think I'd be comfortable in saying he's he would be the Hitchcock of – Comedy and parody.
2: You know, I really appreciate when shows do that sort of thing too. Then when they bring in, and I'm talking sitcoms, right? But yeah. like when sitcoms bring in past sitcom people in some way, I, it just it's a great way to you know give them a, a little. Appreciation for the groundwork that they that they laid. I mean, I remember there was an episode of uh, Caroline in the City. Uh, did you guys ever watch Caroline in the City? A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch it regularly, but there was an episode that they um, they brought in. Oh God, I'm blanking on their names, but the um, from the Dick Van Dyke Show. Uh, the character of Rob Petrie was the the head writer of a comedy show, and he had Sally Rogers and Buddy Sorrell as his co-writers, and they brought the two of them in to do an episode of Caroline in the City, for no other reason than to give them the spotlight one more time, you know. And just it was a great moment. It was really a great moment. I love I love seeing when that happens on TV shows. Uh, so when I when Katie and I went and watched, uh, uh, watched through Mad About You, those episodes with Mel Brooks were just outstanding. Oh, yeah.
3: I love that. My favorite one is where he ends up in the hospital. He's in the hospital, and he, th- he thinks he's dying. It just turns out he just had a rogue gas bubble. Um, but he tricks, he almost tricks uh, Paul and Jamie into naming their child after him, and they're like, oh, Phil, well... Yeah, I guess that's not too bad. He's like, well, my name is not Phil. My real name is Deuteronomy. And unfortunately, they've made a promise to name their child after him because they thought he was dying. <laughs> Can't name our child Deuteronomy. Kids going to get picked on every day. Hey, Deuteronomy.
0: <laughs> hey, dude. <laughs>
3: There's no duty on a me. Is there any duty on a you?
0: <laughs> oh, Wow.
2: Uh, the people, out, the actors I was thinking of was uh, Rose Marie and Maury Amsterdam. Mm. Oh, yes. The, 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 you know, it was just a little bit part. I think it had to do with a uh, an old drafting table. And the whole premise of that episode, I think, was trying to track down the owners of this old drafting table. I don't know. I don't remember if they found something in there and they wanted to return it or they were looking up the history of it. And when they opened the door to let, uh, to bring in the old owners of the table, it ended up being Rosemarie and Maury Amsterdam. And then it was one of those, if you know, you know. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, before we okay. go to three questions, is there anything else we want to say about Robin Hood men in tights? Tight. Tights. tights.
1: Fantastic movie, love it all. That's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and like any Mel Brooks movie, it it honors, it respects, but it doesn't hold back. Some of those tights have to hold back. Yeah, well, they yeah they're holding back a lot. <laughs> yeah, as long as their seams are straight. No, no, no we're we're just merry. <laughs> hmm.
3: All right. It is time for three questions.
1: He asks each traveler five questions.
2: Three questions. Three questions.
3: It's impossible to answer.
2: It's impossible because you don't know the answer.
3: Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of
1: questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point... In your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy
3: on your soul. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite version of the Robin Hood story?
1: That's a hard one to answer for me.
3: I, for me, you know, even though even though what I appreciate about this movie is that this Robin Hood can actually speak with a British accent, I think for me my favorite version of the Robin Hood story is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves.
0: Yeah. And I think I it's think kind of a combination
3: of that it was, I, I don't know, it seemed like such a big thing at that time when I was a kid. And then almost immediately after that, getting to move over to England and then getting to play in the forest you know, when it, hanging out with my friends, playing in the forest where they had actually filmed the Sherwood Forest scenes, like I don't know that 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 made it even more special. So I think for me, it's got to be Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves. Yeah, and I say I that I say that also, admitting that I have not seen the Errol Flynn Robin Hood movies, you know, as much as I would like to. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say that's a. The, the only reason I don't rank, you know, some of those more classic ones a little higher is I just don't have as much experience with them.
2: I, I think I'm going to flip-flop with you. While I okay. do like Prince of Thieves, <laughs> I have a great appreciation for the uh, 1938 okay. Adventures of Robin Hood. Yeah. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, Errol Flynn was just amazing Yeah, at what he did, but just – is part of the creative process for the movie. Cause I, I want to say that they were really just starting to experiment with Technicolor. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of great vibrant color out of, out of that movie, out of uh, a lot of the costumes uh, mm-hmm. in that movie. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've got it over, over here on my, uh, in my collection. It, it's, it's a quality, it's a quality film for sure for mm-hmm. me. I think it might be it might edge out Prince of Thieves just a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, know, it doesn't have Alan Rickman, so That's true.
0: But why a spoon, cousin?
2: Because it hurts more, you twit. Twit. Excellent. It's dull, it'll
3: hurt more, you twit.
1: Yeah. I, I, the case that you guys have presented, like I totally agree with, I'm, I'm going to be hard pressed to choose. Um, maybe I'll say that Rat Pack movie, Robin and his seven hoods. Maybe, maybe I was, oh, just that. and I'll find the middle, I'll find the middle ground. But, uh, um, yeah, everything you guys said, I think extolled the virtues of, of that. And, um, they're just fun to watch and and, uh, you know, I know we did go back and check out our Prince of Thieves episode. You know, there was so much great stuff on offer. I love the Azeem character. I love um, just the world building they did. I love the costumes in that movie. I thought the costumes were great. Um, I, I Well, go back. I mean, the music was great. It just, there was a lot of really wonderful stuff in that movie. And then, Jeff, like you said, the 1938 one. I mean, it's Errol, Flynn. it's Errol Flynn. You can't, Pat Caniguelo can't vote against that, right? I mean, that guy just just brought all those characters to life. So, I boy, I'd be hard-pressed to choose between them.
2: The Disney one's good, too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Disney one's fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right, man. We watched that thing. Yeah. I don't know how many dozens of times his kid's grown up. It's got a singing rooster. I mean, I can't vote against that one, right?
2: <laughs> Oodalally, Oodalally,
3: Oodalally. I always did like, and I I haven't seen it in a very long time. I always did like uh, Robin and Marion, mm-hmm. the one with Sean Connery, and uh, was it Audrey Hepburn played Mad made Marion? I almost stumbled over that and called her Mad Martigan. Doubt <laughs> <laughs> that's a very I different mean, movie. That's a whole different movie. <laughs> I am the greatest maid who has ever lived. You are great.
2: You are great.
3: <laughs> All right. Uh, Bo, did you give yours?
0: Um, I would think just like you guys, it's Prince of Thieves or the Disney version. Yeah. The Errol Flynn versions are great too. I mean, you know, just looking at the list of the different ways they've done Robin Hood. I mean, who can forget rabbit hood from 1949 mm. starring Bugs Bunny mm. or Tom and Jerry Robin hood and his merry mouse. I mean, <laughs> there is quite a breadth of Robin hood stories to, uh, to watch. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. There was, there was one version I saw too. I, I don't probably caught on maybe the Disney channel or something, but they, they took the idea and, and um, turned it into Kids going to a boarding school, mm-hmm. and I think the boarding school was wasn't the boarding school called Sherwood or something like that. And the Robin character came in and kind of was going against the bully, who would have been the uh, the Prince character. So just unique ways of of retelling the story as well. I mean, it's and it it lends itself to to be retold again and again because the the conflict within is never going to go away.
0: Did anybody ever see the Robin hood show? The BBC did back in 2006.
3: No, no. I, I feel like I watched an episode of that.
0: It's not terrible. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you know, Prince of thieves, but it was right. pretty
2: good. You Prince of thieves, You. <laughs>
0: I mean, when you, if you do a Google search for Robin Hood movies, there's an interesting one that comes up in the list and doesn't seem to have much to do with Robin Hood, but it is called Up the Chastity Belt, which oh.
2: is well, that's, okay. that's interesting
0: and it's a British comedy film that was a spin-off of, of course it is. <laughs> Up Pompeii which that's I don't know what that is either, but <laughs> that's,
2: that's extraordinary <laughs> what would you like to do next? that's extraordinary exactly
0: what would you like to
3: do next? Followed closely by...
1: Dreamweaver.
0: For our listening audience, I did find When Things Were Rotten on YouTube.
3: Oh, is it on there? Okay, good.
0: I have pasted a link in the chat to the first episode for you guys, but nice. it is there if you search for When Things Were Rotten. I think you'll find it. It's on a channel called... The True History of Robin Hood. Oh, nice. Which is a link to some other Robin Hood-type things, but it does have all 13 episodes of When Things Were Rotten.
3: Which I'm so. sure the Mel Brooks TV series is highly historically accurate. I would think. You know.
0: Yeah. I mean, They're so used to him, they're telling him to go home, so I feel like, That's true. you know.
3: That is true. All right, second question, and this one's going to take probably about a good 45 to 50 minutes. What's your favorite Mel Brooks movie?
0: Boy,
3: It's okay. Question three is going to be a nice, easy one to finish it off with.
0: Well, I feel like the problem with Mel Brooks' movie is how are you defining a Mel Brooks movie? Anything produced, well, direct? He was produce, in. Written. Yeah, I, in,
3: mean, yeah I, I produced or directed.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. Produced or directed. We did sort of focus on producing earlier favorite Mel Brooks movie. You know what? For me, it's actually pretty easy. It's got to be Spaceballs. Okay. With some notable, notable honorable mentions, but it's got to be Spaceballs.
2: For me, I think I'd have to go Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. That might be the one that I've watched the most out of all of his films. I think that, God, it's usually my go-to. From if, Brooks.
3: If we had had one more week in October that I was going to introduce the kids to Young Frankenstein. I, I figured we, we were probably ready for it now.
2: That's so good. Yeah.
3: I, As a kid, I would have said Spaceballs. <laughs> and for me, it's a toss up between, well, since you said Young Frankenstein, so I'm glad somebody else said it. Uh, I'll take blazing saddles because I think my answer might've uh, young Frankenstein might've edged out blazing saddles for me. But since you took that one, I'll say blazing saddles. All right.
2: Quality choice, Patrick.
1: You, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to follow in your footsteps and just to make sure we get another title up there. I'll say history of the world. Part oh. One. There you go. Have a very I good mean, friend in Rome. Spaceballs. Um, Spaceballs is. I, I'd love to say that was my first, but I want to say I watched Young Frankenstein with my parents. Yeah. Right around that time, so it was Young Frankenstein and Spaceballs came out together. Blazing Saddles is amazing. Um, so all those ones that you mentioned, this that Men in Tights is great.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, it, and for me, it's, it's not to discredit anything else that Brooks right. oh, has done, for the most part. Like yeah. I, I love Spaceballs. I love his Robin hood movie. Yeah. Like these are great, great movies. But if I had to, if I had to settle on one, you know, it would be, it would have to be young Frankenstein by, by a hair. Mm
1: -hmm. No, I hear you. I hear you. I I just say history of the world. I I mean, I love history. I was, I love reading it and studying it. And I was doing a lot of that right when I was watching all these movies and my history teacher used to talk about scenes and quote scenes from that movie um, all the time. So I'll, uh, I'll put history of the world up there.
2: Nice.
3: Well, that wasn't too, too difficult. No, that's, uh, that was actually, actually pretty easy. All right. Question number three, uh, because, Never once, you know, between all the years of friendship between England and Jersey, never once, never once, have you invited me to your home for coffee and cake, a cannul, something, you know. Uh, what is your favorite flavor of cannoli?
0: Cannoli, <laughs> like everything cannoli.
2: Okay. Bo's <laughs> never met a cannoli he didn't like. That's, that's I, also, I mean...
0: always take a cannoli.
2: Mm-hmm. Trust yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Don't got to tell him twice to drop the gun and take the cannoli. No. yeah. I, the only if, thing
0: you got to worry about is that I might shoot you so I can keep the cannoli for myself. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> if if I knew those were the options, that would be preceded by a scene of me with Keanu Reeves going, we need guns, lots of guns. Because hey, I need Utah. to trade them for cannolis. Give me two. lots of cannolis.
1: <laughs> uh Utah. Give me two. Uh, mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Uh Bo, can I um can I tell you something? Yeah. I made the mistake Uh-oh. of going to the cannoli Tony Cannoli website to see if they had any other like new flavors or seasonal stuff and
0: uh uh-huh. whoops.
3: I'm not sure we can Oops. record another movie
0: tonight, Bo. Okay. <laughs> well he's closed already, so I, I know. I know. <laughs> Does he have a, a Christmas cannoli they, out yet?
3: Uh, they have a pumpkin spice one until later mm. in
0: November. There you go.
3: Yeah. I don't. I, I just need. I just need the traditional. But I'll take any one of them.
0: Yeah, trust me, you will, and you will well, like it. And, and
3: I have. Yeah. Yes. That was the problem. Is as kind of a thank you for, um, you know, because our the the tech department did a lot with you know some of our kind of the first year I was doing assessments in our district, they really did a lot uh-huh. to kind of try to make things better. And you know, we were working on a ton of stuff. So as a thank you, I went to Tony cannoli and I bought a giant, like a giant box of the mm. uh, cannoli bites. Yeah. And I dropped that oh. off to them. And, but, but yes. there was a moral quandary because I bought that box and I just sat there and I went, you know, if I make a run for Canada, <laughs> then I get this whole box and I don't have to go back to work ever again. And you
0: don't have to go back to work, which, you know, mm.
3: and how is this a bad thing?
0: Yeah,
2: there was a uh, there was a restaurant in Schaumburg that you could order cannolis from. Yeah, especially if you were doing or hosting a party. Yeah, and you would uh, they would give you the filling in a piping bag and the shells separately. Tony Cannoli will do that. He's got cannoli kits, so as not to uh, lessen the quality of the cannoli before it's time. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> just, I mean, you know, cannoli filling in a piping bag, I think. Just, <laughs> yeah, forget the shells. It's a dangerous bo- Beautiful. Sunsets are beautiful. Newborn babies are beautiful. This, this is f- spectacular. Killer <laughs> Yes.
3: yes. <laughs> well, <that laughs> followed Followed from John by...
2: I think my favorite filling would have to be um, the ricotta cheese and powdered sugar, some mm-hmm. vanilla, maybe a little bit of cinnamon, mm-hmm. and then uh, some chocolate chips, some mini chocolate chips in there. Yeah. And then sprinkle some powdered sugar on top of it. Yeah. They have a uh,
3: – so, Jeff, you at this Tony Cannoli place in Mundline, you would probably enjoy the Siciliana.
2: It is I'm a, looking it up. It's, it's, I've it's, never it's, heard of Tony cannoli. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, brother. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> is it someplace I can go during my lunch break? Tomorrow? Yes. Holy Yeah. Crap. How long is your lunch break?
0: Oh, yeah, you can make <laughs> it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you just get to the website, Jeff?
2: I, yes. Yes. I, I, oh
0: cannoli my. shakes, cannoli cakes, cannoli oh bites, God. cannoli, cannoli, cannoli. Cannoli.
2: I'm going to call in sick tomorrow and just go to Tony Canoli's. Mm-hmm. there. Ha- there's,
3: there's a, and I know there's a lot better sandwich places, but there have been times where I will, I will go to the subway right next door to Tony Canoli just because I know then afterwards I can walk over to Tony Canoli and get a cannoli or two. Yes. I'm like, I will, I will sacrifice the sandwich game uh, and go subway for the opportunity to just walk over and get a cannoli.
0: And if you really have time, like you're going, you know, you go get the cannoli. So you have it. Then Mm. you go have dinner at Tina G's. Then on the way home, you eat the cannoli.
2: (laughs) Yeah. This uh, Siciliana at Tony cannolis might be just the thing. God bless it. Holy. (laughs) (laughs) What in the, Oh God. A block from my house, Jeff. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, well, geez. two blocks, but still, uh-huh. these are that extra incredible. block. Incredible. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm definitely gonna have to uh, to swing by during lunch. Okay, uh, you you
3: you let me know if you plan on going out to lunch someday, and I'll go with you.
2: Like I said, I'll, I'll call in sick tomorrow just to hang out at 20 cannolis, and right. then call sounds- in sick Wednesday because I h- spent all day hanging out at. 20 cannolis on Tuesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to drool over this website for a while. So you all go on. Carry on <laughs> he, needs, he needs
0: a refractory period, <laughs> <Yes>. John.
2: <laughs> yes. As I've said before, I'm
3: no quitter. So I'm working towards type three diabetes. <laughs>
2: <coughs> wow. Okay.
3: Two is for all quitters. Nice. Sugar is for closers. There we go. There
2: it is. Yeah. Sugars for closers. <laughs> cannolis for closers. Yeah. Oh. oh, that's it. Man, I would sell everything. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. be the highest rated salesperson. Anything open, I would close just to go get a cannoli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So
3: we lost Jeff. Bo, I th- did. You say which one was your favorite?
0: You said oh, all cannolis. I everywhere. said. Cannoli, okay, was my favorite cannoli. They do cannoli cakes. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh my God, Jeff! It is the best thing ever. Uh Cannoli shakes, Jeff. A cannoli shake.
2: Yeah. Feel a heart attack coming on right now, but I don't even care.
0: Nope. You won't while you're sipping it either. You'll be
2: like, dude. Yeah. If you gotta go,
3: go with a smile.
2: Cannoli <laughs> class,
0: what's that?
3: They probably I think uh, they teach you how to make the cannolis. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. I yeah.
3: would so do that. Yeah. Maybe podcast outing. Cannoli I was, making. I was gonna say I mean, maybe this is a 30 something podcast team building trip.
2: It's 35 bucks a person.
3: Can I put it on the corporate credit card? Sure.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Let me go steal Our, somebody's
3: corporate credit card so that I
2: can put it on there. <laughs> Hour 15 minutes, 7 p.m. Need six, six people at the minimum for the class to happen. Okay. Roll, form, and fill three cannoli. And 20% off all items at the time of the class.
1: Hmm. 20% off all items. Okay. I will purchase all items in the store.
2: <laughs> God, for real.
0: Oh, walking in there is.
2: Oh, oh, that, the, the smell of that place must be amazing. It is. It's,
0: it's not
1: bad. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I think we all got that, stuck.
0: Jeff must not have been here the night we talked about this.
3: I don't think so. Cause it was around about the time we did. Um, was it before we did the Godfather episode we did?
0: Yeah, it must have been.
2: It was around then. I don't remember having this conversation, but okay. I'm, I'm yeah. definitely, I'm definitely stuck here now. Yeah,
0: it's it's a it's it's a something that's okay. for sure.
3: All right. Well, at some point soon, we, we need to plan a, a lunch. Noli chips and dip. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, I didn't know places like this could exist. T-
2: <laughs> this heaven?
0: No, it's Mundiline.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, that doesn't land as well.
3: No, not truer, even close. Truer words have never been spoken.
2: <laughs> Pat, did 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 you answer the question about favorite cannoli? I
1: I don't have enough cannoli knowledge to say a favorite. But I think I just would say yes.
3: Pat just rejected your question. Mm
0: -hmm. We haven't gotten to use that one in a while. That's nice. Yeah, there
1: we go. That was a good setup. That was a good setup.
3: Finger was on the button ready to go. Uh, But but that's not a wrong answer. Just all would be totally fine.
1: Right, right. Yeah. All right.
3: All right. Well, we're all going to get lost on the uh, Tony Cadoli website. So... um, I'm sure we'll see you all back here sometime, maybe in January or February. Um, uh,
0: uh-huh. you know. they have to roll us out of Tony canoli's because uh-huh. we don't fit in the door anymore.
3: When we when we look like Violet Beauregard from Willy
0: Wonka. You're turning oh, violet, Violet.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's blowing up like a balloon. Is she full of juice? No. Ricotta. forgot
0: <laughs> <Very good. laughs> Uh-huh.
3: All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, because uh, we're, we're all lost in food thought right now. We're all just um, fine here. <laughs> we're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? How um, are you? <laughs> head on over to 30podcast.com if you want to get to more of our episodes. At 30 Podcast on most of the different social medias. Uh, after this, this is the end of the month of November for us, so we are into the last month of the year. We're into December, <laughs> which we are dubbing the Good Eaten Month. Uh, that's where we're going to have movies such as Alive, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Tombstone. Oh. And then we've got uh, Son-in-Law is a special request from Jason Colvin, and I believe he will be joining us uh, from the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Then we're going to be doing Nightmare Before Christmas, right around Christmas time, and then somewhere in there, haven't figured out just where yet, uh, we are a special request from our own Pat Canigallo. We are going to be doing Enter the Dragon from nineteen seventy
2: five. Do we have a, uh, a 500th? Anniversary episode that's we, dropping somewhere in there. We do.
3: That's actually the next episode. Oh, so after this, this one, one or, this, or this is episode 499.
1: I think we all need to celebrate with a cannoli. I think we should. Let's go. 500, I, 500 I, cannolis for the 500th episode. I,
3: I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it.
1: You know, we could, we can, we could, you know, well, you know, obviously, technically, we've already recorded the episode. Well, we could eat like 500 cannolis throughout the recording of the episode. I was about to say, you know, like we probably have to go mini cannolis.
3: The most important question like, though, Pat is, is that per person or is that in total?
1: Oh, that's gotta be per person.
3: Oh, thank you. Okay, good. I was worried for a I second. I mean,
1: we've been, we've been doing this <laughs> enough. I don't think, I don't, I mean, do you really want to play the video game on easy mode? No. Come on. Yeah.
3: Like I said, I'm no quitter. Type four diabetes. Here I come.
1: Great. Right. All right.
3: Yeah, I'm up for it. My innards are prepared. How are yours? Uh Yeah. Uh Um, so the so in the month of December we've also got our Patreon episodes, Heart and Souls from nineteen ninety three. Uh, Little Robert Downey Jr. ditty there. And then our Patreon short episodes are It Started in 93 with Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. And our other Patreon short is It Ended in 93 with The Wonder Years. So we've got some great stuff. The Wonder Years. What would you do if I sang out of tune, Jeff? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Yes. Okay. Could we go get a cannoli afterwards? Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's all I need to know.
1: All I right. love cannolis. I'd love to eat them lots. Yeah. I love cannolis.
3: I think we're I think we need to do a, a podcast outing is what we're going to go do. Mhm. So, we'll we'll get this arranged. Uh but anybody that wants to join us, feel free to drive up to Chicago. We will go with you to to go get cannolis together. That could be our live show. We don't have to do a tour. We just have to invite all of our listeners that want to come to come up to go to mm-hmm. Tony cannoli with us.
2: But I feel like that's totally us. Like, maybe yeah. our tour should just be going to different bakeries and pastry shops. Yes. That's where we can record our episodes. We don't need big conventions. No. We just, we take it on
3: the road. We hang out in the parking lot. We eat pastries. Yeah, I like it. Let's do it. I'm I'm good with that. Okay. I've got
2: a couple of bakeries in mind
3: already. Nice. All right. Yeah, let me go steal a corporate credit card, and then we can, uh, we'll get started. Great. Yeah. All right, everybody, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. Go have some pastries while you're at it, too, if you want. Uh, We will see you back here next time for the 500th anniversary episode. We'll see you then.